It's the Manitoba Beer Cast. Hi, Brad Gordon here. The Manitoba Beer Cast is dedicated to searching out and enjoying Manitoba brewed beer. I talk to the folks who brew it, grow its ingredients, distribute it, and serve it. In short, this podcast wants you to drink local beer more often. It is episode five of the beer cast, mid-March of 2021. Call it a regulatory sweet spot, if you will, vis-a-vis COVID. The tap rooms are feeling their way through reopening protocols. Most are open. And the province keeps making changes to the retail and hospitality rules week over week, so it's a bit of a moving deck for all concerned. Restaurants and bars have been allowed to reopen their patios. And with that rule, you can now seat people from various households at a patio table, something you can't do at a table inside. So now you can have a nice beer in the sun with your friends, given that you're willing to, I don't know, wear a parka to do so. I have to confess, I took in the patio at Stone Angel on the first weekend of reopening. Had to drive into the city to do it, and given the effort, I was damned if I was going to take a seat inside. Drove to Winnipeg to have a beer in the sun, damn it. That's what I did. It's all very hopeful for all involved, yet it's convoluted in terms of the regulations. A number of brewers say they're kind of feeling their way through things. It's not really a liquor license reopening. It's a health department reopening. Oh, goodness gracious, whatever. Like every other business, they're getting visits from inspectors and they are making changes on the fly. The current sweet spot may or may not be short-lived, though. We have to keep our collective fingers crossed that our ability to put vaccines in arms outstrips the spread of any new variants of the COVID bug. Regardless of that landscape, we can agree that winter is releasing its hold on the southern half of the province, and we're all looking forward to the prospect of barbecues, picnics, and lawnmower beer. My take on this remains, as it always has, like driving on the highway with your low beams on, we can only see two weeks at a time. This week's interview features Scott Chapaniak. He's the manager of Fort Gary Brewing. Before there was a half pints, before there was a farmery, before the gold rush of craft brewers in the last decade, there was Fort Gary Brewing. Actually, there was a trio of companies that tried to reboot the industry in the 90s when the big nationals left the province. Fort Gary, Two Rivers, and Agassiz. At this point, only Fort Gary remains corporately alive. And while they've gone through a bunch of changes, including a period of ownership by an out-of-province player, they're back on the landscape as a Manitoba-owned operation. They have four core brands, an array of seasonals, and some pretty interesting co-branding projects. And in case you missed it, they're now big enough to buy some ad space. Whether you're trapped at a red light or catching a hockey game on the tube, you've been seeing them beating the drum for their flagship beer, Fort Gary Dark. And for those who had moved off that brew... Fort Gary Dark is back. After a few missteps in the last decade, they're back with the old classic recipe. And to be honest, that's the kind of consistency that you want in your flagship beer. So, with that as foreplay, here's this week's interview. On the phone right now with Scott Chepeniak. Scott, what's your title over at Fort Gary Brewing? General Manager at Fort Gary Brewing. The big guy. Good. I always like st- starting at the top. All right. Hey, let's talk about the history of Fort Gary. Um, it's it's a brand with a deep history, and then it has a relaunch history that's a little more recent. You guys kind of pride yourself on that Fort Gary name. Yeah, abs- 
absolutely. It's a, a deep and storied history. The brewery goes back to the 1930s, and it was operated by the Hoshin family for years and eventually sold to Molson and then uh, later closed in, I believe, the 60s. But it was in 1994 where the late Richard Hoshin resurrected Fort Garry Brewing, as we know today, on Lowson Crescent in South Winnipeg. He followed in his grandfather's footsteps. The history of Fort Garry Brewing and, and as the pioneers of craft brewing in Manitoba, it's something that we're, we're proud of. And it's a story that we're going to continue to share with Manitobans. A lot's changed since 1984 in the facility, but, you know, with new equipment, we've expanded our warehouse. But the the brew system was state-of-the-art in the 90s, and it still does the job for us today. Um, I think I jumped on the the wagon uh, with Fort Gary Dark back when it was a one- or two-man operation, when it was in a single space in the industrial park out there. And the brewer was hand-trucking kegs into uh, various uh, places. Uh, I found a place in River Heights that had Fort Gary Dark in that period. And it rapidly it rapidly grew from there, correct? Yeah, it, it still today is our flagship brand. And, and I think that talk to a lot of craft beer drinkers in Manitoba, that was the one beer, the gateway beer, to get them into the, the craft beer scene. And still, like I said, a strong seller uh, and a flagship brand for us today. Jumping forward, you guys have have grown. The new place on Lawson is what ten years old, a little older. It was nineteen ninety four that uh, that it was opened. Oh, really? That far back? Okay. Yeah. Hmm. You guys got got it ramped up pretty quickly. Then you guys have a lot of capacity in that building, correct? We do. We have capacity for significant growth in the, with the current system, which is a unique opportunity. And you know, we're definitely hoping to facilitate that growth. How many people do you have on staff right now? There's about 26 people, and that'll go up a bit in the summer. Are you distributing outside of the province? You know, the focus is Manitoba, and, you know, you can find our beers in select SKUs in Saskatchewan, but our focus uh, in the short term will remain in, in Manitoba, and, and long-term ambitions would be to, to have a product scale in other provinces. Anybody who goes into a liquor mart sees a pretty wide range of your product. So you guys have primarily positioned yourself a, with retail, B, probably in the restaurant trade, correct? I think that, you know, we are a little underdeveloped in restaurants and the entree that we're hoping to uh, to grow. But uh, we do have a good footprint in retail and, and hotel beer vendors and liquor marts. Absolutely. Uh, I want to talk about it um, because when I walk into my liquor mart and you have four core brands, uh, that's the Pale, the Rouge, the Dark, and Northern Light. And the, and you guys kind of did a, a visual... Um, revamp of that so they all kind of have a a, a nice uh, design theme of your four core pores right yeah it was an interesting project it was in 2019 where we wanted to you know give those classic brands or core brands a bit of a refresh and it was interesting and challenging because we didn't look at it as a blank canvas to start over with the redesign we wanted we didn't want to veer too far off from the existing branding that you know, a lot of people have grown to love, felt that we were able to give our classic brands a fresh new look, but also, you know, held true to uh, to the brands that they were and, and also reinforced the connection to Manitoba with some of the illustrations that you see on the cans. You also have a bunch of secondary brands that, you know, they don't look like your mainstream brands. And it's pretty robust. There's stuff in there like Middle Province, Frontier, Portage, and Maine. So you guys are constantly innovating and, and shifting around that mix of products, right? Yeah, we're going to continue to look at ways to provide innovation in brands and styles for, for beer drinkers. Some of these seasonal brands may not have the same look and feel as our classic brands, but uh, we are you know, going to continue to try and have that, that foundation with the Ford Gary logo on a lot of our brands, and we are going to think a little outside the box for some of the seasonal stuff. 
It's also where your brewmaster gets to have some fun, right? Exactly. You got to play. <laughs> and then you have some sours, some rattlers, that kind of stuff. Um, what is interesting, and you guys are doing it, and it could be just a matter that you've got capacity and you've got the ability to do it, is you do what uh, I see as co-branding projects, stuff like the uh, the Red Roof product with the Salisbury House brand, say Gold Eyes, and most uh, intriguingly, that Cole and Canary pumpkin cake ale that you guys did around Christmas time. Yeah, the, the co-branding projects, or if you want to call them joint ventures or partnerships, they're a lot of fun. And, you know, in some cases, we've reached out to companies or we were already partners with them, like the Gold Eyes. And in some cases, you know, some companies have reached out to us. Strategically, it's a way to, to help out another local uh, company and help grow brand recognition of both companies by doing something unique. Where there's the right fit, we're going to continue to look at uh, fun things to do like that. Doing a Salisbury House co-brand, I don't think there's anything more Winnipeg than that. It's very Winnipeg, for sure. <laughs> Unless we can figure out a way to do a co-branding with Alicia's. So, um, <laughs> and making if, notes. <laughs> yeah, what goes with kubasa? <laughs> so let's talk about the advantages of being a, a certain size of brewery. You guys have started to use different media now. I've been seeing that you've kind of done some advertising work with Dark. I'm seeing it on some of the electronic billboards, and you've got a video running right now. Pushing into the market, you have to be a certain size to do that, right? Yes and no. Like if you compare Fort Erie Brewing to other regional breweries, we're still very small in comparison, never mind to national breweries. But I think that when you look at, at Manitoba, we are one of the larger brewers in, in the province. And this Fort Erie Dark campaign, we did have some TV and some billboards. It was definitely out of the ordinary and probably not something you're going to see year over year. With Fort Erie Dark, as I mentioned earlier, it's our flagship brand. The recipe over the years was tweaked, and we ended up changing back to the original Fort Erie Dark recipe because it is such an, an easy-drinking dark ale. We really wanted to give it a bit of a boost in what has turned into a very competitive industry and to get people that have tried it before to try it again and to get people to try it for the first time. I've got to say it, in the 90s when I first had it, I had a collection of, of buds that we all sat down on Fridays with it, and someone noted there were black currant notes and I just kind of went, are you wine writing in your spare time? But we, <laughs> but recently, and, and you guys did tweak it and have returned to it. And I've always been buying a can every four months to see whether or not the tweaks have happened. And yeah, you guys have come home on that recipe. Yeah, we're, you know, it's, you know, consistency is one thing that uh, it's really tough to, to achieve, but uh, we're going to try and do our best to ensure that we have consistent experience for anybody buying our beers. And something that uh, we hope to continue to provide Manitoba beer drinkers with is a consistent flavor for not just Fork Air Dark, but for other brands that they've come to love and expect. For those core, core brands, people need to know what it's going to taste like when they open it. There's, you know, take away the variances. Absolutely. You know, with some of the seasonal beers, that's when, you know, the brewers can have some fun and do some unique stuff, but there should be some consistency for sure. And that's what we're going to strive to achieve. You guys are back under Manitoba ownership after a period being owned by Russell, correct? In 2016, Fort Gary Brewing was purchased by a local venture company, and we are now Manitoba owned and operated. What have you guys had to do to respond to COVID over the last year? a challenge for all local brewers in different ways. You know, for us specifically, you know, having our partners in hotels and restaurants closed for so long has inevitably impacted sales of kegs and, and bottles. But in saying that, like, we've been pretty fortunate. We're, you know, still able to brew beer and sell beer in retail. And, you know, we're really looking forward to when we can see the restrictions lift in, in the hospitality industry. To cope with it, though, you know, we, we did launch curbside pickup and partnered with Good Local for home delivery as a other options for Manitoba to get their beer safely or a different way. 
you know, and, and we can't wait to put this behind us, but COVID has really forced us to analyze all aspects of the business. And it's been a bumpy road, but, you know, I know that we're going to be stronger because of the long run, which is, you know, funny to hear. During COVID, we've seen the support local movement really take shape. And, you know, I want to thank all Manitoba beer drinkers for supporting not just Fort Gary, but for all the local breweries that are going through a tough time. Absolutely. Everybody's gone through huge changes and perversely, since I live out in Brandon, what I have actually found is I can get my hands on more obscure stuff more easily. As long as I've got a drop point, I can get a delivery to my drop point. So uh, yeah. I may, you know, if, if I want something out of, of a specific place that has short run stuff that's on sale, I can make that order. I can get it dropped at my drop point. I can get my hands on it. It's actually easier now with COVID. I, you know, I, I, I don't want us to stay in this place, but I'm taking advantage, you know. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> this is kind of a co- post-COVID question, but um, are you guys thinking of kind of expanding the brand experience for people? Are you thinking of putting in a tasting room or some kind of uh, retail store frontage? Yeah, we we really need to increase our presence and engagement in the craft beer community. And in 2020, just before COVID hit, we had some discussions and, and started the planning process for a tasting room. And COVID's really parked that. But we are working on it. It's just delayed. It is a priority. And uh, we're hoping to have some more news in later 2021 or early 2022 where people can come in for a tour, you know, enjoy a beer in a tap room and, and buy some, some beer on the way out. I think Manitobans are really getting a, a great feel for the taproom experience. For some people, it's replacing the pub experience, and it's kind of a more civilized way of going at it. Yeah, there's, you know, some of the other breweries have done a great job, and in some cases, their concepts include restaurants and other uh, cases, it's taprooms, but it's a different experience no matter which one you go into, and they've all done a great job, and we're excited to, to be a part of that. Any other plans for 2021, or is everything COVID-dependent like everything else in this life? Some things have been parked, but we do have lots of innovation planned for for the year. You know, so the foot is still on the gas. Uh, we do plan on releasing some new seasonal releases. We have a coffee stout that we're launching, and uh, in March uh, we're going to launch a double IPA, so two seasonal uh, uh, limited release brands. And then we we have some new ravers coming. Our cranberry and lemon ravers have been performing well, and there continues to be a demand for. For Rattlers, uh, we have some some new Rattlers coming in spring as well as our social packs coming back, our tall pack, taster pack. It's got two Rattlers and two beers. And and then one thing that's outside of beer is the seltzer segment continues to grow. And we wanted to find a way to be competitive in, in the seltzer segment. So we're launching uh, two single can seltzers that are going to be launched in uh, late March, early April. Lawn mower drinks. I need lawnmower <laughs> exactly. drinks. I, you know, I, I was I was restricted to my backyard pat this past year, and lawnmower beer got me through the summer. So <laughs> <laughs> that and an inflatable pool, but that's another story entirely. <laughs> so, is there anything we've missed today? No, I think that uh, you know we captured quite a bit of it. Um, but I think that you know what you're doing, Brad, is you know is a lot for the the local beer industry in Manitoba. So thanks for what you're doing and keep it up. And if, um, Anytime that we can help out, and hopefully we can get you into the brewery uh, for a beer um, sometime soon. Carry on. Manitoba Proud. Thank you very much. Have a great day. All right, rural beer heads. It's once more time for Beers in the Wild. Sightings of beer outside the perimeter highway. Now, with the complications implicit in COVID, bars and restaurants are only now slowly reinstating their TAPS programs. 
so there's not been a lot of sightings of beer in the wild. So I'm going to take the opportunity this episode to talk about a key survival tool for beer heads living outside the perimeter and even those living within. It is, of all things, the search function at liquormarts.ca. Now, if you don't have a great vendor near you in your part of town or in your town itself, this could be the best way to research where to find your next favorite beer. As for myself, living in Westman, I know I will often hear of a new release that I want access to in my travels, or I want to check out the availability of an old favorite. The secret to using this search tool, particularly if you're not entirely certain of the name of the beer you're looking for, is to search by brewery then work your way down the product listings to find what you want. However, quickly, a word about the can counts that you'll get after you hit the search engine button. At best, treat them as estimates. If it lists a small number of cans, maybe 10 of the variety you want, there's a chance they're out. Or they will be by the time you get there. But it's a useful tool. Here's an example. In years past around Halloween, I've gone searching for pumpkin ale. Fort Gary usually serves up something, and I'd heard about a pumpkin cupcake variety from them this year. So, one Saturday, using the search tool, I found that they had retired Happy Jack, but they'd replaced it with another brew. As for that cupcake variant, I found Coal and Canary Chunky Knit Sweater Ale was available in a substantial number, not in my town, but in the Liquor Mart in Western Portage La Prairie. Similarly, as you're searching out the latest from Nonsuch or Vessel, it's a great way to find where it is. Go to liquormart.ca and hit the button. For folks outside and inside the perimeter, it can save an awful lot of extra driving simply to do the research before starting your car. Nothing worse than walking into the store and asking, hey man, you got any kilter? So this time, we salute our friendly Manitoba Liquor Marts for their accurate search tool online. It's a key to survival when hunting for beer in the wild. Here's a quick note this time around. Um, We had featured, of course, uh, Ted Birch over at Black Wheat Brewing for a conversation. I uh, give him a quick poke in the ribs to see how the project is going because people out in Westman are awaiting their first brewery. A uh, word from him is the mechanical is supposed to be finished roughly mid-April, so they should be able to start brewing around them. The tap room, the target date, it's a soft one, is going to be May the 1st. So that is great to hear on that front. That is it for Episode 5 of the BeerCast. Thank you, Scott Chapaniak of Fort Gary Brewing. They've been around a long time. They're going to be with us for a long time as well. You know, the road to hell's paved with good intentions. I hope to get some better production rhythm on this podcast and start hitting that weekly target more often. End of apology. The BeerCast is on Twitter at MBBeerCast. The email address, beerme at manitobabeercast.com. Manitobabeercast.com, of course, the home for the links to Apple Podcasts and the other pod platforms. One easy way to subscribe email subscription. You get something in your inbox every time an episode drops. Click the link, you're out the player. Theme music for the beer cast is by Ottawa's Admiral Bob. Incidental music and sound effects from Zap Splat. I'm Brad Gordon. I help Manitoba businesses and nonprofits build and implement communication strategies and tactics, as well as sales and marketing plans. You can find out more about that at gordoncommunications.ca. 
<sighs> Thanks for listening. Keep your masks on when until you're seated on the patio. Please, keep it chilled. No, 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 and no. And that is it for episode five of the Manitoba Beer Cast. You know, it's said the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I hope to get some better production rhythm on the pod and start hitting those weekly targets more often. I think the target's going to be Thursday from here on. Fingers crossed. The BeerCast is on Twitter at MBBeerCast. The email address, beerme at manitobabeercast.com. Send me your feedback, your ideas for future episodes, people to talk to, you name it, and your sightings of beer in the wild. Visit manitobabeercast.com for all the links to the pod platforms. One easy way to subscribe, email subscription. You get an alert every time the episode drops, and it links you to a player. Theme music for the beer cast, Ottawa's Admiral Bob on the guitar, incidental music and sound effects from Zap Splat. I'm Brad Gordon. I help Manitoba businesses and nonprofits build and implement communication strategies and tactics, as well as sales and marketing plans. You can find out more at gordoncommunications.ca. Thanks for listening this week. Keep your masks on until you're seated on the patio. And please, keep it chilled. <laughs>